and on the advice of the chief medical officer, I've taken a test that has come out positive. So I am working from home. I'm self-isolating. The nonprofit community, just like every community right now, is dramatically affected by COVID-19. Feeding San Diego, La Jolla Institute of Immunology. Um, there's some really, really interesting organizations that are um, just doing compelling things, and we're excited to support their efforts. Giving in the age of the coronavirus. How to make your donation dollars do as much good as possible. Welcome to our ABC 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast. I'm Ben Higgins, and we're looking at the different ways the ongoing pandemic is having an effect on our community. In just a few moments, I'll be joined by a local nonprofit expert who works closely with many of the local charity organizations helping with San Diego's response to COVID-19. First, though, a look at some of the top coronavirus headlines for Friday, March 27th. San Diego hasn't yet seen the exponential surge in cases that other places have, but county leaders say this is no time to get complacent. They also said that three more San Diego County residents have died, one of them in Riverside County. That brings the total number of local fatalities to six. The CEO of Scripps Health is pleading with San Diegans to strongly adhere to social distancing rules and all other guidelines to prevent the coronavirus. He says unless San Diego does an even better job of flattening the curve, internal projections at Scripps say their healthcare system will be overrun in a matter of weeks and there will be thousands more patients than hospital beds. This afternoon, President Trump signed an unprecedented $2 trillion economic rescue package. The CARES Act will bring much-needed aid to millions of workers and business owners now without sources of income. Checks are expected to go out to most American families the beginning of April. Sadly, in any crisis, there are people who will look to take advantage of the situation. And joining me right now, Team 10 reporter Adam Rakusin. And Adam, uh, you did a story today on COVID scammers who are actually trying to profit off of other people's misfortune right now. What did you find as you were looking at some of the different scams that are going on? You know, it's amazing. It's the same type of scams that we're always seeing, phishing types of scams, anything that comes in through your email. But of course, because there's a pandemic going on right now, people will try to take advantage of that situation because you're scared. You know, the FBI told us that a lot of people are at home right now because of the stay-at-home order. So what are you going to do when you're at home? You surf on the internet. And of course, you're hitting that email box a lot more than you would be. And there's a lot more scams coming into the email box. So one of the big ones that they're looking at right now are cures. People are scared. So anything that comes up with a cure or potential to avoid the coronavirus in any way, that's an email that people are sending out and trying to get right now. Another big one is with Congress just passing the stimulus package, that people want that money. They know that you think that you might be getting money and you're probably entitled to some coming really soon. So they're going to be using emails and trying to get you to put in your personal information, give up your social security number, pretend that they're from the treasury, pretend that they're from the IRS, anything to try to get you to give up that money, they're coming for it. What are uh, FBI, uh, local authorities, I know they've already always have some success in trying to slow these scammers down, but especially in a time of crisis, is there any additional enforcement? What are you hearing going on from the law enforcement perspective? 
Yeah, this is actually going to be a big enforcement for them. So it's not just the folks that normally handle internet crimes that are getting involved with this. The FBI told us that they're pulling people from all sorts of different departments and forming task force type things. I forget the name that they used. It was one I hadn't heard before, but essentially it means, you know, big group of a task force. And they're getting people together to specifically go after this. You know, yesterday they arrested somebody up in the uh, Los Angeles area that was trying to peddle fake coronavirus uh, type of prevent yourself scam type of a thing. So they're coming, they're coming after these people and they said that they want to hear from you as well. Anything that you know, they want to get those tips in as well because they will be investigating. Well, Adam, uh, it's sad to hear that that's going on, but I guess it can be expected and I appreciate you uh, making sure everyone's aware of that. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Ben. A new testing method for the coronavirus could mean fewer risks for healthcare workers. Up until now, they've had to suit up in protective equipment before they reach inside cars and swab nostrils of sick drivers. Now the University of Washington is running trials on a self-collection test, which only requires swabbing a little past the nostrils instead of deep inside the nasal cavity. A healthcare worker can simply hand them the right kind of swab with the right kind of tube, and uh, the patient collects a sample, sticks it in the tube, and then hands it back to the, to the healthcare worker. Masks and gowns won't be needed because healthcare workers are less exposed, so that means valuable equipment is saved too. Kaiser Permanente is closing six of its medical facilities in the county. This afternoon, Kaiser tweeted that in an effort to limit additional exposure to COVID-19, it will temporarily close its medical buildings in Carmel Valley, Carlsbad, Bostonia, Vista, El Cajon, and Kearney Mesa Rehabilitation. No word when they might reopen. Starting today, all DMV offices in California will be closed. Crews are scheduled to disinfect and scrub down all 170 locations in the state. The DMV says you can go to their website for services including driver's license renewals, registration, or an address change. You'll have to upload the necessary documents and then wait for a DMV representative to contact you to finalize the transaction. Disneyland and Disney World will remain closed indefinitely. The theme parks were originally scheduled to reopen next Wednesday, but the Walt Disney Company announced today they will stay closed until further notice. The company says it will continue paying its hourly employees through April 18th. Meantime, SeaWorld says it has furloughed 90% of its workforce. Many of us who want to donate money to help fellow San Diegans during this tough time have questions about how to proceed. And joining me today is the co-founder and chief impact officer of a San Diego-based online fundraising platform called Classy. Pat Walsh is my guest. Pat, appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Ben, thank you very much for the invitation. Well, first of all, tell me what Classy is, and then we can start talking about the impact uh, on the nonprofit sector during the coronavirus uh, pandemic that's going on right now. Certainly. Well, as you mentioned, we're a San Diego-based social enterprise, and we build fundraising software for thousands of nonprofits around the country. We actually started the organization here in San Diego back in 2006. Um, our, our early team, we were hosting fundraising events, from runs to walks to music festivals, really engaging some of those younger audiences and supporting lots of local uh, initiatives and local causes. And uh, we built our own technology to allow any of our early attendees to make a donation or to set up a fundraising page on behalf of the nonprofit beneficiary. And over time, that technology really was in high demand. And nonprofits we were working with said, hey, listen, is there any way we could use this for our own campaigns? So we made kind of that, that massive shift from a, 
hosting our own uh, fundraising events into a, a technology company. So the great thing is a lot of people want to help do whatever they can. What are the trends you're seeing right now in nonprofit giving? Absolutely. Um, well, it's interesting. You know, the a nonprofit community, just like every community right now, is dramatically affected by COVID-19. Um, but we're very fortunate. Nonprofits and the organizations we work with are very resilient, right? And so they're bouncing back. Um, certainly, you're seeing a dip in some of those traditional offline fundraising events. You know, this is the time of year where you see a lot of galas, a lot of runs, a lot of walks. And so, you know, you're obviously seeing a dip in that. Um, given the shelter-in-place initiatives um, around the country. But those nonprofits are bouncing back. You know, they're transitioning into a virtual environment. Um, they're trend, like basically trading the way that they used to or would formally engage with uh, their donors in an offline capacity. And they're trying to build those meaningful relationships in an online virtual capacity. So in terms of specifically, if people want to help COVID-impacted people here in San Diego or anywhere, um, what's the best way that they can make sure their money is going to where they want it to go? It's a great question. Um, all the organizations that we work with are 501c3 organizations recognized by the IRS. So we know that they've been validated. We know that they're legitimate. Um, and there are dozens of campaigns right now, really, really incredible campaigns supporting this COVID-19 response efforts. At the national level, you have Salvation Army, Cleveland Clinic, um, Shriners Hospital for Children and CDC Foundation that I'm sure everyone has heard a lot about uh, through the media uh, connections. And here locally, um, Feeding San Diego, La Jolla Institute of Immunology, um, there's some really, really interesting organizations that are um, just doing compelling things and we're excited to support their efforts. What's the best way to, to maximize the money you give? Obviously, uh, different charities distribute the money in different ways. How do, you, how do you maximize and make sure the most is going to the causes that you want? Absolutely. And transparency is key. Um, certainly, you can do your own research on organizations. Um, the organizations that, again, are validated by the IRS, that's a great first start. Um, there are another platform, a number of platforms out there that are kind of those watchdog safeguards. Um, so platforms like Charity Navigator, who's actually one of our partners and clients, um, they provide that kind of validation that, yes, this is an, a good organization and the money is going to where the organization is saying it's going to. There, of course, are, are lots of very worthwhile charities that have nothing to do with the coronavirus at all. Are they going to be impacted negatively? Obviously, you know, some people have limited amount. They give one place. They may not be able to give to the usual charities they donate to. What, what anticipated uh, impact are you expecting there? It's a good question. Um, it's interesting, you know, the consumer donor population really does respond in crisis situations. 46% of consumers will respond in a crisis situation to support uh, their nonprofit community. Um, nonprofits who are indirectly involved in coronavirus, this is a great opportunity to, to champion those efforts. If you're supporting a cause or if you're supporting an indirect initiative that's um, supporting you know, coronavirus response efforts, um, champion that, be transparent with your donors. Uh, if you're an organization that is not directly involved or indirectly involved um, with coronavirus response efforts, just be transparent and, and speak honestly and candidly to your consumer base. Hey, listen, we recognize that this is a, a national emergency. This is an international crisis. Um, we're asking you to continue your support uh, and help our organization succeed in the same way that you've continued to do so over, over the years. Building that relationship is key in all capacities. That is a great point. Um, you know, I think I'm directing my questions toward most of our listeners are probably just 
you know, thinking about giving, but there's probably some people who work in nonprofits out there that uh, are wondering kind of the same thing about what some of the best practices are right now. Yeah, we're fortunate to, as I mentioned, uh, work with a number of organizations. And so we're seeing some best practices coming together uh, from around the country. We actually, in fact, we're going through the same challenge ourselves. Our signature event each year is a three-day conference called The Collaborative. And The Collaborative is focused on bringing nonprofit executives together to talk about the ideas and the best practices that are really driving nonprofit growth. We had to obviously cancel the offline event, which is coming up in June. And so we're transitioning that into a, a virtual event. Um, that can hopefully broaden the audience. And, you know, a lot of nonprofits are benefiting from that transition to virtual events because, you you know, you open up the audience that you can be engaging. It's funny. Um, obviously, we're all going through some difficulties right now. But as you talk about sometimes a necessity, the mother of invention, we're all learning maybe new ways to be more efficient when we emerge on the other end of this, not just in uh, fundraising, but in all industries. We'll have a couple of more tools in the tool bag uh, to use as we move forward. Absolutely. Uh, adapt and overcome. That's one of our core values at Classy, you know, and uh, I think this situation has certainly uh, challenged a lot of organizations to adapt to the current environment and, and overcome. Keep marching to uh, your, your annual goals. Same thing in the uh, TV news business. Well, Pat, I really appreciate your time. Uh, enlightening conversation and, and probably uh, very worthwhile for, for many of our listeners out there. Thank you so much. Ben, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Finally, it's my goal to wrap up our cut. Finally, it's my goal to wrap up our podcast with a little good news, even if it may seem hard to come by at times. So I was walking my dogs this morning in my Encinitas neighborhood when all of a sudden I heard the honking of horns coming from down the street. That's a pretty unusual sound where I live. As the cars came into view and started driving past me, I saw that many were decorated with streamers and balloons like it was some sort of parade. One of the balloons was a big silver number five. I got out of my phone to shoot some video, and that's when it finally hit me. Each car was stopping in front of a house about half a block away. One person at a time was getting out and leaving a wrapped package or gift bag on the lawn. Soon the presents were lined up in a neat row. I, of course, was witnessing a coronavirus pandemic birthday party for a five-year-old who was probably looking forward to playing with friends at a pizza parlor or amusement park, but his family decided to get creative and still do their best to make the day a special one. And he'll probably never have another birthday like this one, even if he lives to be 100. Each day, look to 10news.com and our social media channels for new coronavirus impact podcasts. And make sure to download the 10 News app for all of today's important stories, along with the reports you'll only see on 10 News. As always, it's available to download for free at the App Store. That'll do it for today. I'm Ben Higgins. And remember, we're all in this together.